0: and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Lal Jeremy, or check out my website, jeremylalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like this show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 239, and today I'm joined by showrunner Ken Cooperus, who has made shows such as Hudson and Rex, as well as film critic Jason Gorber. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. Alright, so we're sitting down to watch Blues Brothers. I'm Jeremy, and I am the virgin on this episode. Um... I'm Ken, and uh, I've seen this movie many, many, many times.
2: I'm Jason, and I've seen this movie many, many times, many times in the theaters. Mm-hmm. have spoken to Dan Aykroyd about this film, um, have introduced more than one person to this film, so I could not be happier that we were doing this tonight.
0: You've insisted that we were, we're watching it in Jason's uh, Cinema Cave. His cave of nerddom. If there's anything about this film that it demands is good picture, it's an
2: extraordinary visual film. But audio-wise, this is the place to do it. Nothing would make me sadder than somebody watching this on their, like, uh, Apple Watch.
0: Yeah, see, audio makes sense. I never thought of this movie, and again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know that. But I would never think of this movie as, like, a cinematic visual bonanza.
2: If... the word Landis now is kind of like a four-letter word sure. for lots of reasons also with, you know, this, let's let's remove, if we can, him killing somebody. Let's remove what his son has become. This, I think, genuinely shows off some directorial chops that uh, might actually surprise you.
0: Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Like, this is, I don't know, what year is this? this is this 84? 80. 80. So this is why I haven't seen it, because I was not born yet when it first came out. And then by the time I think I was old enough to watch it, it would have been, like, I wouldn't... Was this, was this rated R? Uh, yeah. It, not that that matter I mean, my language, yeah. My parents it would have been
2: R then, but remember Canadian R and US R would have been different, so it would have been the equivalent of AA. It was not rated X.
0: Yeah, so by the time I would have gotten around to, like, trying to stumble upon it, it would have been the mid-90s. And at that point, I think there was just a barrage of other stuff that come in between. Now, my parents never... Talked about this movie, so it just never came up. I think it's excellent that we're doing this back to back with Blues Brothers Two Thousand, so to- <laughs> <laughs> shot on Lakeshore Boulevard. That and that's <laughs> one I didn't, I avoided seeing too because, I, first of all, didn't hear great things, and second of all, I. Uh... I, I, I we'll we'll get into this after the film, whatever. But Blues
2: Brothers Two Thousand. So okay, let's go to let's do Fast and the Furious. We're going to connect it here. The first Fast and the Furious film is exactly what you think are going to be in the Fast and the Furious. Lots of shots of cars, lots of rapid shots of feet on clutches, really terrible story, a bunch of nonsense. And then as the films go along, they get well, better go and better and better. Hold on. <laughs> Blues Brothers 2000 is what I, I think Blues Brothers 2000 is what might be in your head about what this film is, and then this film is an accidental masterpiece. I'm just going out and saying I've
0: read about this film, because I've read about, you know, all the filmmakers, and I know all of them.
2: This should have been terrible. This absolutely should have been
0: terrible. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And if you watch Blues Brothers
1: 2000, you can see how it could have been terrible. I mean, this was the period when, um, when, you know, it was cocaine on set, and, uh, and um, John Belushi would disappear for days. This is right after 1941. Belushi
2: does this right after 41. Yeah. Um, that is where it's, these all these guys. Yeah, this was absolute complete chaos. It's the first Saturday Night Live movie, mm-hmm. um, and as such, the expectations for a going from a skit, a tiny little skit, an introductory skit on Were Saturday so Live. So low, it, yeah. And so,
0: um, yeah. And then they started with um, arguably. Uh, the greatest move, music movie of all time. That's one thing I know. I know, like, obviously the visuals of their, what they look like, their suits. And I know the music. And that's what I know. And, and the cast. I'm going to
2: say something. I, I, I debated about
0: whether to tell you this ahead of time.
2: Because I know we want to go
0: as open... as no, no, don't I'm not, spo- I'm not spoiling okay. a thing. All right, we'll all find I'm gonna gonna out. Can,
2: All I'm going to contextualize is if, as if you're an audience in 1980. Okay. Almost everyone you see in this film... I'm not even going to say who they are. But almost every musical act in this film here was completely thought of as out of culture. All these people were over the hill, and nobody gave a damn about them. And so you have to keep that in mind when you see them, because there's so many iconic performers here that have been written out of history, post-pronk, post-disco, and all of that stuff. And this film absolutely managed to recatapult them into a consciousness, which continues to this day. So you'll be thinking of this, thinking like, oh yeah, of course, these are the people that would be in this movie. And in 1980, many people had forgotten these people
0: existed. Right. That's why I'm saying it's critical. So they got them for cheap. 100%. Smart. Well, I think we should just dive into it before you spoil anything more. <laughs> <laughs> now I know there's iconic musicians... <laughs> I know there's a sequel. There's brothers. They're their brothers, apparently. <laughs> they wear a suit. <laughs> they wear, I knew the suit. The suit uh, I had down. But uh, let's just dive into it. There we go. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were making fun of me because I did not off at some point. I'd f- I like to also set a context that Jason's got the system but as loud as it could possibly go.
2: Uh, we were about 26 decibels less than it could have
0: been. Fair enough. Uh, I, I have we a th- were
2: at reference, for the record. We that- watched that at
0: THX reference. <laughs> for this size of a room? Well, you know.
1: We
2: we're I at, think
0: that's we're at th- IMAX levels of sound. I think that's the THX reference for like a movie theater. Yeah, I don't think that- it's for a room that's... Uh, like, Hundred square feet. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't want to see it any other way. <laughs> <after> fair, <laughs> fair enough, but I do find I find especially if it's later at night. I if something's just bombarding me with sound, it puts me to sleep.
2: Yeah, so you're an old man.
0: <laughs> I <it> could be. <laughs> and you're the youngest one here. <laughs> it could. Be. I'm. Oh, Ken's got kids too. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, you can't use that excuse, Mister.
0: No, it's true. So this, and then, and also, I found. I'm not going to lie. It's like the car chases. Was amazing, but it was also just the same thing over and over again, and my brain just shut off from being overwhelmed. Hey man, yeah, I, I like it, but it's just like, and I get the the comedy of excess, but I also it's like I'm like oh, fuck, I, and I look at it as a filmmaker going, it's like um, that's every Canadian movie the budget, of. like the car chase in that movie is insane. Yeah, it's the it's the Citizen Kane of car chase. Yeah, movies. it's
1: absolutely um, spectacular.
0: Yeah, you gotta imagine every single person in every stunt person in Hollywood must have been employed for that. What was the budget on this movie?
1: I, I, I have no idea. I don't care. It, it, <laughs> no, it's it, nice. do- it, it doubled its budget <laughs> in production, yeah. it, it went on for about three months longer than yeah. it was supposed to and doubled its budget.
2: And, yeah, obviously this is pre-CGI, so you're not spending money on doing nonsense computer stuff.
0: Every single thing is in that frame. Like, that whole end sequence when you've got the army coming in, the marines. Did
2: you see in the credits where they actually thank the people that collect military vehicles? So that's probably a (laughs) private tank? Because America?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure. Somebody has
2: their own Sherman tank.
0: (laughs) But just all those... It's like nowadays you would just CGI that all those people and bodies and stuff. It would be... You'd be yeah, able. and it wouldn't and it wouldn't have that same feel. It wouldn't have that solid. No, you watch this and you know these are all real people doing everything. Everything you're seeing on screen is practical. Yeah. So they everybody. gutted
1: all those cars like down to like the bolts, and then they just shot them into that pile.
2: Yeah, and everybody in the audience at the at the close, those are real people that yep. had to be there for every angle and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. No, it's crazy crazy. I just look at that and it's like, holy, like, how do you even attempt? Especially when everyone's just coked out the whole time. Well, that's what, that's, that probably that's probably helped. why, exactly. <laughs> yeah, helped. yeah, yeah.
2: So who did you not know was in this movie and who did you know who was in this movie?
0: Uh, I mean, I didn't know any of the musicians. I mean, I knew who a lot of the musicians are, but I didn't know... Uh, like any of the musicians that were in this movie I, I knew that the, like the Lees I knew Acrid was in it, I knew Belushi was in it Uh, I knew John Candy was in it, I think orange, Um Orange Whip Orange Whip Three Orange Whips uh, I just served Orange Whip today Oh, nice But I know you don't eat food, so I need food? <laughs> you can make a version of it? What's in an Orange Whip? A whip and an orange, so... I can can eat an orange? Can you eat a whip? You... (laughs) What are you whipping? Give me some aquafaba, I'll whip that up. Anyway, back, back to this... Back to this podcast... Uh, Do you know
2: who Cap Calloway
0: is? Yeah, Cap Calloway, I know. Yeah, I know who all the musicians. Twiggy, like, I, knew, I knew the name. I couldn't tell you a song by Twiggy. She's nope. not a singer. No, she's is. not she's a, a singer. Model. She was a
2: model. Ah, uh, that's she, what it was. She was very famous in the '60s in "Summer of Love" in '67. That suddenly models became stick thin, and she was a
1: stick thin model. Uh, okay. And, uh, so. Am I crazy or did she like end up marrying um, uh, the ukulele guy, uh, Tiny Tim? Tiny Tim. I think there was a brief thing. There was a think. weird thing there, right? Like a
2: thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, no, it's just, like, Cab Calloway is like a star from the 30s and the 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So when that, that moment where the transformation moment is just one of the most glorious moments. So, well, it's so,
0: just, well, it's just, even if you don't know who Cab Calloway is, it's just that start cut to all of a sudden they're in different outfits is just pure delight.
2: So, Cab Calloway, you know who, John Lee Hooker, obviously, sitting
0: there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Charles, Aretha, you know.
2: Now, Now, here's who you don't know. And this is, I'm going I'm to drop you're gonna, this. You're going to mansplain all the you're people gonna, that you, you think gonna, I don't know? You're going to yeah, drop can, this? Every musician here are playing themselves, and these are monster, monster important people. Right. So well, I, I assume that from the cre- the way they treated them in the credits. So just two of them, Doc Dunn and Steve Cropper, are two members of Booker T and the MGs. Okay. So these are guys who played on every single thing from Stax. Going back even further, originally this was going to be Paul Schaefer put together, the band. So the the, Matt Murphy, um, Matt Guitar Murphy was going to be with him, the whole uh, uh, Holiday Inn scene, that was all going to be Paul Schaefer. But Paul Schaefer got a gig opening for uh, uh, being the musical uh, guy for Letterman, so couldn't do the movie. Right. So that. So he helped assemble all the musicians at Macadar Murphy Monster. Player Lou Marini was the horn player for Sonnet Live. Tom Malone played for Zappa for a while, but Monster Monster player. So these are super shit hot musicians. As much as Aretha and them are top 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 level soul guys, these are Monster Monster musicians that we just learned about. Because they were the characters in Blues Brothers. Right, right, right. So so the Blues Brothers, if you're a music nerd, especially at my age, you watch the Blues Brothers and then you go backwards. Yeah, it's and a then who's you, who. Then you have 60 years of music history that this film completely unpacks for you. That's how why this is so glorious for somebody like me who's a big music nerd.
0: Yeah, and so, not that I want to like go on to the sequel for very long but I'm just curious because I know Belushi dies like what three years after this movie comes out oh, yeah one, one, one year yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so it, it's Jim that's in the sequel yeah with John Goodman Yeah. so there's three of them there's three of them right and I, then there's a kid and yeah is the idea that they're all brothers still they're
2: yeah it's like it's, it's, don't not, worth even, it's not worth talking about it's okay. honestly only, uh, ignore it there are musicians in there that they even more actively try to, like, record for posterity. But the film is so egregious and so unwatchable that it's not integrated. So for what, for what it's worth here, everybody here is just kicking ass. Cap Calloway in this movie is unbelievable. He's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, some of the musicians are so good. But Cap yeah. Calloway is so charismatic. And Aretha, man. Aretha spent her entire life wanting to be Streisand. Um, In the best possible way. She wanted to be an Oscar-nominated actor. And they never really gave her an opportunity. But she's so goddamn great in this movie. She's fantastic. That uh, you see what she could have been if she went into... She wanted to be Diana Ross and Barbara Streisand. Somewhere up
0: between the two. She's great in this part. I don't know if watching what she does in this part shows me that she would be able to be a Streisand. 100%. Yeah. But I think she's definitely good. She's uh, and, and so good on screen. To the point where when she started singing, I was like, oh shit, that's Aretha Franklin. <laughs> like, I knew within one note of her singing. But, when you but walked... just watching her performance, I was like, oh, she's a great character. Actor. But you walked in, we walked into that Soul Food restaurant and you didn't know that was Aretha. No, amazing! <laughs> what <laughs> no. an
2: experience! What a glorious thing! So she opens your mouth, you're like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, no. Aretha. Like, as soon as she entertained, her I was
0: like, <laughs> "Oh." Well, I, for, I, I'm not gonna lie. But first, I was like, because it was it was one of the early big cameos, right?
2: Yeah, after
0: James Brown. So my very yeah after James Brown, my very first thought was like. Oh, that woman's doing a great Aretha. 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 For the first one second, and then by the time she sang the second, I was like, oh, no, that's fucking Aretha. Because nobody does that like that. And why wouldn't you just get Aretha, obviously? Uh, but, of course, Ray. I knew Ray the second he... Just from Ray... when I saw, oh, he's great. No. When I saw Ray's music boutique, I was like, yeah. oh, please be Ray Charles. Yeah. He's got so much charm in that scene. If I'm not, (laughs) he pulls the gun out and shoots it at the kid. If
2: I'm not crazy, that is a Ray's boutique. Like they found a a music store
0: called Ray's, and then we're like, who are we gonna put in here? The. Oh, given just the money they spent on crashing the place, I couldn't. I mean, they could have made that sign. For oh, no, sure. that's, that's uh, everything
1: that's No, I into think it's the a famous. The, ma- the mall the th- sequence. The 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 mall. I, s- I could be
2: wrong. I think it's a famous music store. It was a famous music store in Chicago. Anyway, yeah. the mall
0: sequence. The
1: mall Glorious. sequence is
0: actually, to me, for some reason, more impressive than the end car chase. For some reason, just because. Pier 1.
1: Yeah, there's... Some Baby clothes. <laughs> What's that? Baby clothes.
0: Baby clothes, yeah. There's just something to me that is just, like, almost more... Because the ending one is just, like, an excess of volume mm-hmm. that almost feels like they're just trying to show off. Yeah. Where the one in the mall is just so unexpected and original.
2: Uh, and think about the number
0: of zombie movies that ripped it <laughs> off afterwards. It's just... But it's also you watch it and you're just like, how,
1: like, who... How do you schedule that? How you just, well, how it was, was a it? dead mall. It yeah. was an empty mall. They just they loaded it up for precisely to knock it down. All of that is set duck.
0: It's so great. And you and you just imagine, like, in the pre-production of meetings, they're just like, what can we put in this area that we can crash? It's like paintings. Let's put what, what would be amazing to just destroy. I mean, it looked like a mall. Like, they did a pretty good job. I I, I, have, I have
2: paused on that when they take out the uh, music store just to see what's playing, what's like being sold in 1980. Like uh, there's some good shit. Um, they take out It's funny when you watch it because they take out an instrument store, right? Cause, like yeah, the drums. Music with all the gongas and the drums and stuff like that. And you think, well, soon they got to go to raise to get instruments. I'm like, why weren't they in the middle of this car chase? You know, this is the things you think about when you watch had, this film a hundred yeah. times. I I, <laughs> I, had this,
0: I had that thought in the first time around. It was like, they why aren't they? They can't destroy instruments. <laughs> Um, so glorious. Now, what did you think of the James Brown sequence? Great. So, as
2: a Jew... Oh, well... As a Jew... Yeah. I always say, you ever want to convert me to Christianity, I want that church. Yeah. Let's be clear, not just with James Brown, I want the people flipping, I want the full yeah. on, I want the light from the Lord. you the it? I'm saying, so if, I went, if I went, I understand Baptist Church can do it, but I want that level of supernatural awesomeness... Maybe, maybe
0: I would see the light. I feel like that's not going to happen. So you're probably <laughs> saying, "I think I'm okay." Yeah, but
2: but my God, my God, that is glorious. That is just outstandingly amazing. And that is the same gospel choir that plays behind Aretha in the Amazing Grace documentary that finally came out. So oh, nice. Out. So that's that's shot in L.A. and and you and I recognize while watching the Aretha film. I'm like, God damn! I know who that is. I know those people in the choir from Blues Brothers. Yeah,
0: that's funny. I um, I always love like uh, like one of those big church choir scenes. But that one's probably the the top. <laughs> this sure. movie
1: moves effortlessly through giant comic set pieces to huge musical numbers, so effortlessly. I'm like, it's, it's just shocking.
0: And it's got enough of a storyline that it doesn't just feel episodic. It's putting the band back together. It's they a, got just a perfect classic story. They're, they're on a mission Mission from God. Yeah. And it's exponential.
2: Like, first they're being chased by this group.
0: Oh, yeah. This group. And, and they'll come, come together. Group. Yeah, no, it all builds really, really lovely. And just the Nazi talk, party is fantastic. Let's, let's
2: talk about, in 2021, how crazy it is to watch a film where... We watched this and thought, oh, how ridiculous it would be that there would be Nazis. And, of course, there would be everybody out there yelling at the Nazis. The Nazis would be the small number. And how crazy would it be if a whole bunch of people sort of slammed into a government building and, uh, and had all kinds of chaos? Yeah. There was a level of distance from this at one point in time, which, I promise you, I'm watching January 6th and having these weird... Blue I had the
1: same thought. I had the same thought.
0: I ran into Nazis on my way here. <laughs> And I am less than a ten minute drive from your house. <laughs> where were the Nazis this time? They were the Danforth. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good. I absolutely love Henry Gibson. I love him in The Burbs. I love... Like, oh, he's, he's so good. A, in fact, I bought... Um, for two bucks, I bought an album of him reading poetry. Oh, Amazing. I like him so much. What were the poems? <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. I just um, bought it yesterday. I found it in the second hand store. I, he was also in uh,
0: Being John Malkovich, too, yeah. right? Yeah, he plays so. the older guy, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so, he's so, there's a
2: lot of quotable lines in here. The orange whip is obviously quotable mission from God. Orange
0: whip, yeah. The whole that one when they're driving back is like, we got uh, the, the laundry list and a full tank of yep. gas. We're, Hit it. We're wearing our it. sunglasses at night. It's dark. <laughs> we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Yeah.
2: Uh, but honestly, a line that I quote with a friend all the time is uh, The Jew is using the black as muscle against you. And and it may be obscure, but it's as obscure as the one in Lebesgue about the, say what you will, but the tenets of National Socialism, at least they had an ethos. There's something so poetic and offensive and sophisticated, yet stupid about the humor that just I, I adore
1: it. for For years, whenever somebody asked me what band was playing, I always said, Oh, it's the good old Blues Brothers boys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the good old Blues Brothers boys. boys. It's so funny. Uh, they play both kinds of music <laughs> country and western. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, they have that fence up because they, the I guess wire. every band, yeah, the Chicken Wire, every
1: band gets thrown. Whether at. they love it or hate it, they just throw bottles the whole time. Yeah, and no, that so woman mysterious. at the end is just casually picking like up the beer kind bottles. that's lunacy. Like that, I mean, that's a comic set piece and a musical performance all in one. The dude crying while they're singing "Stand by Your Man." They put so much. So the guy funny. walking out of the bathroom Jeez. and the bottle just missing his head. Like so much is packed into even that one scene, and the music's brilliant. I could have, even though they're they're doing kind of goofy country songs. I was like, this sounds awesome. Like I could just listen to this album. So yeah,
2: we got to go back. You know, I've said this before. I said this about Black Hole. I've said this about a lot of movies. That I am a huge fan of films that should be terrible and are not terrible. I've been spending my whole life looking for a German word that is the film that is shit if you change a couple frames on it. And again, this is a good example because the sequel really is that bad. Yeah. Like, it's you almost need to watch it to see how bad it is. But this film is a miracle because it should have been horrendous. It should have been just a bunch of musical sequences and a bunch of nonsense. And if you watch the director's cut, the extended cut, there's a bunch of scenes... Aykroyd overwrote what is a three hundred and fifty page script or something like yep. that that the blues brother um sort of the Bluesmobile actually is charged by the electrical um power stations yep. underneath the elevated train like it's got all this fucking weird Ackroyd shit ghostbuster is the crap in it because he's a nut bar. Yeah. And and they cut all of that out and just made it as crazy and long as it is. It's a
0: taut did they shoot oh, that stuff? All that shit's shot. Yeah yeah. But it's not in the director's cut, is it?
1: No. No. Okay. No. I would say that like and I'm a big fan of this movie. I know you're not, but um I love nineteen forty one too. But nineteen forty one I love nineteen forty one ironically. <laughs> like yeah. it could have went the wrong way. I know 1941 is the wrong way. I still love every frame of it. Yeah, well, that's just it. It's like because you look at like when in nineteen
0: forty one when they drive through the paint factory of the tank, like that's another that's a layer of excessiveness, but this one tops it. But it works. Yeah, because you've also just got. I mean, the we all know Spielberg's a great director. Before we watch this movie tonight, uh, Jason made us watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark intro on his on his.
1: I, I don't think he made us. Didn't make <laughs> us, no. <laughs> I think we I, I walked in and you I, were already I doing control, it.
0: I twisted your poor arm. But, 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 no, I the was one is, for it. like, there's always, no matter how good a filmmaker is, there's just some things they're not great at. And yeah. comedy is one for Spielberg. He does comedy well in small pieces. Like, all his films have a little bit of comedy in them, and that works. But doing a straight comedy is not his thing. And he knows that because he never tried to do it again. Um, you know, and so that's just the way it is where John Landis knows comedy, right? So you can get away. He knows. And he knows big comedy. He knows how to
2: do set piece comedy.
0: But also, but there's that fine line where it's just like all of a sudden you're putting a hat in a hat and he knows when to play it small and when, and then when it gets too much. And that's why it's funny again.
2: One of the most glorious, funny moments of this entire film are John Belushi's eyes. Yep. It is it, yeah. is it is the smallest, most intimate moment in a tunnel with everything else thing. And it's just, it's it. It's it. The whole movie, it's everything in that. Uh, and just the way he drops her. <laughs> no, no <laughs> That's afterwards. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's literally, it's like, how can he get through to her? He takes off his glasses and stares at us, the audience. And you're like, yeah, we, we swoon. Yeah. We as an audience swoon. And that's it. Immediately after that is a giant ass car chase for fifteen minutes, yeah. and yet there's your there's your contrast between the very sm- the small and intimate and the. But
0: broad. it's great because they earn it because like yeah. they spend the whole movie not showing their eyes at all. Like, you don't see Ackroyd's eyes the whole movie, right? Um, I don't think so. Like side eye, maybe they like, threw the glasses from the side, but they never he never takes his glasses off the whole time. Like, the closest he gets is when he's making his toast in his <laughs> apartment,
1: in his, in his crammed little apartment. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a movie where you know the lead performances are fairly understated. You know, within mo- the framework of the circus that they, the craziness, that the moment, absolute craziness that when they're did. at
0: the when when Aykroyd's looking at that used toaster,
1: yeah,
0: and, and he, he, and he pulls and out a piece brand. of bread from his jacket. Beautiful.
2: Yeah. Now there was controversy when this came out. Okay. Of people accusing them. Straight up of cultural appropriation. Like, who are you to do this with this music and lay claim to it? And for me, and the musicians there, I mean, who am I to say? But I'm simply suggesting that completely not only misses the point, but denigrates what this film actually did in terms of... Not only the celebration of musicians, but at some point in time, exactly who's the, who's punching down and who's punching up, mm-hmm. yeah, and and what are they doing? And the whole notion, the whole backstory. Again, we talk about the need. We do it all the time now with superheroes and bad guys and stuff like that. This really is an origin story for guys of a, on a skit, and their origin story is they wanted to be Cab Calloway. Cab Calloway is the authentic here. Yeah, they are fantastic, but what they are doing is channeling their 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 Jedi master who's absolutely Cab Calloway, you see they're dressed like him, he's not dressed like them. And, That's just it, and, yeah. And, and, and everything about that, the fact, the fact, what they're listening to in the car is Sam and Dave. And so their big hit on Saturday Night Live was Soul Man, right? And they did it. Yes, they are redoing something that Sam and Dave popularized, but they always, always, always showcase who it was that they were actually drawing from. Period, and again, I've talked to Aykroyd about this, um, um, about how I learned about Stacksville well, directly from Blues Brothers, and he just encouraged me to dive deeper and deeper and deeper into that stuff. He, these, this is a film made by fans; they're not yeah. sycophantic about it, but they're absolutely here to celebrate, not to take things away.
0: No, that, and that's the way I I saw. It. I never first, and even now, like watching it with forty years of you know distance. Cu- distance like it, n- it never felt like cultural appropriation to me watching it. It felt like yeah, it felt like a love letter. It
2: just it's such a lazy criticism of this film for me because there's so many things to be more upset about than this film. Well, and
0: all those people that you're appro- you're allegedly appropriating are in the movie. Anyway, that's that's that to me that's a silly critique. That's someone stretching to like shit on something that is just meant to be
1: pure joy. Yeah. I mean that person's an unhappy person. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there. So, I want to I want to I noticed something here that I've never noticed before. Uh, it sounded like when they were in the mall, some there was a guy who said a line and I swear it was Bill Murray. I swear it was Bill Murray's voice. Did Bill Murray um double line in this movie? I'm not aware,
2: but we can go back and check that I out. I would I would like I noticed to notice for do the that. first time this time. That on the last car accident, the last car crash, somebody says, "I think I broke my watch." I had missed that. That's a callback to the same line from that's the right. shopping mall. So after that, again, and it's really buried in the mix, yep. Like in the midst
0: of the music's going, and I heard this line of dialogue. I'm like, "Oh." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Very, very laughs> nice. It wouldn't surprise me if if, if Murray's voice For is sure. in there because you got to imagine these, you know, this group of people. They're all making films together. And so at one all point, together. but also that, but is at one point, I'm sure they're doing a loop group and they just need to do a loop group or something. And
1: they're like, Hey, yeah. who's around? It's like,
0: Bill's walking down the hall. It's like, Hey, can you jump in and just do some stuff? Like,
1: I mean, I might be crazy, but I had to take a moment to see if it was Bill Murray because you know, it, it just, Oh, registered. are you
2: thinking with the Grover doll?
1: I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. in the movie itself. Yeah. No, that wasn't Bill Murray.
2: Yeah. That dude who totally looks like Bill Murray.
1: <laughs> no, but if you listen yeah, yeah. to his voice, man, holy cow! I am I was like, oh my god, Bill Murray overdubbed this voice. Oh, okay, it wasn't. Yeah, right. I know it wasn't Bill Murray, but god. I swear, Bill Murray's voice came out of that man's mouth. That might also be Bill Murray's brother. You know what? It could very well be one of the one of the Murrays because there's a, there's a shitload of them. Yeah, <laughs> we we can look that up.
2: But whatever, science. Somebody let us know in the comments. <laughs> but you get, I just love.
0: I just loved all the other weird little cameos, like Frank Oz and uh, and, uh, and Spielberg. Well, do you know who Steve Lawrence is? Yes.
2: Right. So you have this massive star from from the fifties, perfectly playing that scene, which always reminds me of Eastern Promises. Because mm-hmm. whenever you have a scene set in a steam bath, I immediately go <laughs> to Eastern Promises. But yeah, just. Perfect casting. Absolutely perfect For casting. One
0: scene. And yeah. and the Common Boys. Yeah, and that great, yeah, and that great joke when they just cut back to the Y and they're all in there. Ugh. Glorious.
2: Just absolutely glorious.
0: <laughs> no, it makes you see like it's almost like I see the I see the parallel between this and like something like the Muppet movie. Right? And the oh, idea percent. of like the band and just there's some there's a nice like corollary between the That's, two of those that, as well. Think
2: about it. Absolutely the same generation of filmmaking.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Um so well, same sure. irreverence too, right?
2: And and they just what this would be now would be really silly pop culture references, mm-hmm. right? Um, again, we talk, we talked before we started about Mad Mad World and and all the crazy actors that they sort of put into that. We don't really get that as much anymore. What we get are a bunch of Star Wars references, yeah, right? Like it's the post Shrek reference thing now. Much more so than this. And yeah, I love that Orson Welles,
0: my introduction to Orson Welles is the Muppet. The Muppets, yeah. Yeah, sure. no, I mean, the closest thing I think you get to something like this now is uh, Anchorman and those scenes where the, the big fight scenes.
2: Oh, then all of a sudden Paul Rudd shows
0: up. Not no, Paul, Paul Rudd's already in. Like and Cohen the, or. or, so or so sorry, sorry. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Uh, um, Will Smith is in one? Will Smith in the newer yeah, one, yeah, in the yeah, sequel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that's the closest you get where it's just like. Oh my God! Who's not in this scene? Yeah, exactly. You know uh, that I—that's the, clo- the closest I can think of in, in, in recent history that you get something like this where people are just showing up just for fun to be into someone else's so thing. So You haven't was
2: seen it? Tick, Tick, Boom yet. I oh, saw no. Tick, Tick, <laughs> Boom,
0: and I was like, I thought it was meh. Right, not but there's yet. two
2: scenes in Tick, Tick, Boom um, when uh, that like a ton of composers, like Broadway composers, are in the. Um, the composing seminar, and then in the Sunday sequence, are a ton of Broadway legends. So again, you don't know who they are because it's not necessarily your thing. But yeah, in terms of a proximate thing, yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda in a weird way did a Muppet movie thing, right, right, <laughs> or right, or a Blues Brothers thing in the middle of his musical. I love that because it's Lin Manuel Miranda. Why the hell not, right? Uh, I'm gonna I, have Tito
1: Rivera. I love also that like Landis, you know, puts all his director friends in these movies. Like For sure. those are the cameos that you know I nerd out over. And he does the same in uh, Spies Like Us, um, when the Coen Brothers show up in little parts, and so Spies Like so much fun.
2: Spies Like Us has Soul Finger in it, which again was a song I was not my, for.
1: That's
0: another one of my black holes. Oh, dude, there's a
2: song. No, there's a song played on a ghetto blaster or a, or boombox. They literally call it a ghetto blaster in this film, but they played it on a boombox, and and it's a very particular um, bar case. It's a stack song. And that's one of the tracks that I was talking to uh, Akron about, and he's like, he he led me down this very expensive road (laughs) of diving into this stuff. And it's only then later I realized, as I'm listening to all this stuff, my god, the guitarist and the bass player from the Blues Brothers are on all these tracks. And Steve Cropper co-wrote all this shit with uh, Otis Redding. It's, It's this... Is so fundamental to my enjoyment of this kind of comedy, but equally mm-hmm. fundamental to my love of music. Yeah, and the, these are two of my greatest loves of um, aesthetically of my life coalesced
1: in one one movie. Absolutely, and by the way, I think we need to reconvene here for spies like us now. <laughs> yeah, because that's shocking to me. That <laughs> that's another <laughs> black hole. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I haven't. If I haven't. If I saw it, I don't remember it. Or I'm blending you in you it with. It. I'm blending it's, in a, in it's, it's
2: a great movie. I who loves spies like us. Would never put it on a pencil like it would this film.
1: Absolutely not. But it is absolutely a fantastic movie for me. Now, it's, if we're for doing me, in with, the upper echelon, if we're, we're doing History of the World
2: Part One, I will, I will fight you
1: all to the death. For that I, you know, I, but, I don't like History of the World Part One. <laughs> but, glorious. It is glorious. Also, I would love to watch Little Shop of Horrors on this system. Hmm. I bet that sounds absolutely wonderful. What another. Speaking of Frank Oz and.
2: And again, the SCTV slash uh, Saturday Night Live people, yeah, Little Shop of Horrors is an incredible, incredible movie. And and you ever yeah. have, have never? Seen oh it?
0: god, Little Shop is one of my all time favorites.
2: I mean, maybe we should just watch that for pleasure and not have an audience
0: to, to hear us
2: rant about it afterwards. But yeah, the sound here um, um, is is a good thing for
1: that sort of. Film. Oh right. man, I can only imagine.
0: Yeah, no, I had the pleasure of uh, showing my kids for a couple. It was a couple of years ago now. They've watched it several times since but just watch that's that's the best thing about having kids or one of the best things is just being able to it's the closest thing you can get to revisiting something you love and watching like the pure delight in their eyes as they as they experience it.
2: Or I had that tonight when you were falling asleep during one of my favorite <laughs> films.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that also happens when you when you tra- when you
1: show your kids your favorite movies and you're like, "Yeah." So, do you want to talk about like the, you know, the idea that this is a is like a Saturday Night Live sketch turned movie because when, there's been a lot of those. Yeah, you and think- this is the first, and I don't think it's a. Ever- I don't think... There, nothing comes close. Nothing comes close Including and nothing ever will come close.
0: No, even just the beginning, like, you look at how it opens and there's not really a joke for the first little bit. It's just, like, these big, these long static shots of just the prison. Like, they're just setting this weird tone. But they're kind of gorgeous. Oh,
2: they are gorgeous. The, the aerial shots over the... I guess that's Every, Gary, Indiana. So that's... Just that's all all which is Michael Jacksonville. Right. Yeah,
0: but all the stuff, all the shots inside the prison are just that they pick these beautiful... They find these beautiful areas and... And just, like, just natural uh, architecture that just looks gorgeous.
1: I mean, the whole movie's like that. When they pull up to that bridge after they get him out of the prison... You know, we're looking at the gears yeah. turning as, like, you know, as the as the bridge mechanics start to go up. Did you guys see the bottles? I can't imagine that
2: shot. Did movie. you see the bottles in that one car sequence? Yes, I, I, I said to Jerry. Yeah, and they, they didn't knock knock it break it up the up bottles. Had, no, they literally set up bottles because you've been watching everything destroy the entire movie. And this one scene, it's like such, Three a, cars, stup- no such bottles, a stupid bro. joke. Yeah. But you're like, this is a 50th time through the movie thing. You're like, yeah, great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was perfect. But yeah, I think it's shot. Re- it's like a mix of documentary and the most glorious musical ever and and the collision
1: between those two things
0: yeah well also i mean at the time like, we know saturday night live movies as you know superstar and those kind of things well those
1: are... but i mean you know there's you've, Wayne's there's, World. you've got your Wayne's worlds yeah. you you know there's a couple that are there's a couple that are i think you know worthy of being movies the odd one but um I mean, this is I like... I mean, I saw Pat the movie in theaters. So. <laughs> I saw Stuart Saves His Family. Is yeah, that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I, saw that in the, I saw that in the theater. Like, it was... And Ladies' Man, you know? And, uh, and uh, I mean, there's so many of them. But uh, I think this and Wayne's World are probably the only ones that are really worth any yeah. Of time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Wayne's World was another one. As a kid, I just absolutely loved it. Uh, I mean, I liked
1: A Night at the Roxbury, but that's, like, just me because it's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, this works despite, like, it's like... It, because I don't remember them. Did they do these characters on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. They did. In fact, um, I'm trying to think if they started as a sketch or they started as a musical act. I think they were. Because someone didn't show up or something. They
2: were. So, yeah, exactly. It was like one of those things that they showed up and they might have been the musical act yeah. that, that weekend. But they would show up in the middle and, uh, and just do this stuff. And then they did, they did concerts. Like, it's one of those weird things, like in a post-Monkey's world. Like, are they a real band or are they not a real band? Um didn't they make the record before the movie? They yeah. had a, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, the black and white um uh, photo of it where again their big big quote unquote hit was a rendition of Soul Man which then, you know, was an incredibly ancient song of I guess 17 years before. <laughs> like that's that's where we're at. We're now 65 almost 70 years away from some of this music, which is ridiculous, but uh yeah, it's uh it's a whole thing. And, uh, I uh, I noticed this time that that shadow that they actually explicitly gave a shout out to uh, Wilson Pickett, right? Yeah. Like, ag- again, reiterating the fact that in the movie they're always going back to where um, the stuff that they just loved and celebrated.
0: Yeah, well, because it's all nothing. There, there, there's no original Blues Brothers numbers, right? It's all covers. Yeah. 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 With a bunch of them written
2: by Cropper. I mean, this is the other funny thing, right? So when you have when he has a monster player like Steve Cropper in there, it's like, yeah, here here we are doing renditions of the songs that
1: they were on the originals of. Yeah, and Belushi's doing his own singing, right? Yep. He's yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah, fantastic voice. I mean, he was a mimic, right? He also did his Joe Cocker, and, like, he was... Brilliant Joe Cocker. Absolutely brilliant. And, uh, yeah, like, what what,
2: what a loss. Like What a waste. Ugh.
1: Um, but, you know, uh, I mean, I kind of hate to say it, but... Sometimes like, you know, the rare these rare guys like better to burn out some straight away, is
2: that where we're gonna go? I think yeah. kind of, for
1: <laughs> me, like I can't imagine that he would have you know, like been able to keep that pace up. Absolutely and, not. Um it's just like I'm glad we don't have a bunch of bad John Belushi movies. You know, the ones we have are so special. Yeah, I, I mean, love neighbors too. Like that's a oddball
0: movie, but I love it. Yeah, John Candy is in that in that vein too in the sense that like different issues. But um, you know there's not a lot of bad John Candy movies.
1: You know, there's a couple that aren't as good. Or you know great. what? When John Candy starred in movies, they were often not good. But when he played, um, you know, uh, supporting, often they was, those were his best movies. Yeah, there's some weird ones. What car? What car? Delirious? Are I have a, yeah. I have a soft spot for. But when
2: that little reading that he gives, the what car are we in? Uh, five five. That's hey. brilliant.
0: Hey, we're in, uh, a, truck. We're in
2: a car. Uh, we're in a truck. Yeah. So so beautiful, but what i was saying is like I'm not a huge Animal House fan. Yeah. Um, speaking of Landis, um, speaking of McMaster University, um, I'm not the biggest fan of that, and I thought, I mean, if you look at the scope of what um, Belushi was going to do, it was probably going to be that role, the I'm a zit kind yeah. of that kind of physical comedy. Yeah. But he he's 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 a leading man. He's incredibly charming. And again, when he takes the sunglasses off, he's beautiful. There's that moment of just charismatic beauty in his eyes with Carrie Fisher. You understand that she would fall for him. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Oh, the
0: whole Carrie Fisher storyline, too, is incredible. Just that that, that that running gag of her just continually coming up with bigger,
1: crazier weapons. So there's more of that in the, um, in the longer cut. Yeah, I'm okay. Not, I,
2: I, again. I I will, I love that there is more stuff. (laughs) I think that there is useless um, um, for the actual telling of the film. I think that this film is perfect. I absolutely agree. Everything else added are essentially deleted scenes that they added back in as is normally the case. I mean, that sounds a yeah. yeah. but really it feels like deleted scenes. And it's only if you've already seen the film over and over and over again that you just want more. Um, I, I, this, the 4k version doesn't actually have the extended version, um, incorporated in it. Uh, I would just watch watch them as deleted scenes.
0: No. The other thing that it made me think when we were talking about, like, you know, Belushi being gone so early, it'd be interesting. There's almost like a weird, there's a part of me that almost would love to see just like, just read about the difference in film history had he survived. Looking at the movies that were coming up, like. He absolutely would have been in Ghostbusters. Rather, he's you know Slimer is based on him. So yeah. who would he would he would have been in that movie? He might have been Tully. You know who knows? He might have been a Ghostbuster. You know uh, what else would he well, have shifted or changed? Well, Jim wouldn't have had as big of a career. Yeah, for sure, or a different career. You know, um, but it 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 should be. I'm curious to see what his career would have. Uh, I think he would have into. ended up
2: in terrible episodic television.
0: Maybe, you never know, but maybe he would have done the Bill Murray thing too, right? Where you, because you, you could think, if Bill Murray died early on, you could probably say the same thing about him, and you look at the career he's had in his later later years, right? Where he's gone like and done like a shit ton of really great, dramatic... I mean,
1: outside of the Wes Anderson movies, I'm not a huge fan of what, what he's been doing, but... Right. Um, I, I hear what you're
0: saying. But you know what I mean? It's just like it's easy to say, "Oh yeah, he just would have been like regulated to a
1: punchline." When,
2: when are we doing Broken Flowers on this podcast? <laughs>
1: oh my God, Broken yeah. Flowers! I'm not a drama guy. Like I'll be the first to say it. Like I, I really struggle with straight up drama. drama? Like I just, I can't. I, I really struggle with it. Um, I'm a genre guy and a comedy guy and a you know and, and drama that has another angle to it, like you know, a period. Or I'm great with, but like a movie like Broken Flowers. It's a real struggle for me. But yeah, maybe Jim Belushi would have done a bunch of
2: Jarmusch films. I don't know you don't know so
0: John Belushi. I'm just saying that it's like I, it'd be curious to see that alternate history. Mm-hmm. Uh not saying it's, it's better, but it would just be interesting to see what kind of career he would have had for the next several decades. I would
1: I would I would say that this is this is Aykroyd's best movie. I don't I don't think I've ever liked him as much in a movie as I liked him here. Oh, as far as him being charming? Yeah, and I think it's because he's playing that restrained character, where usually he plays the rapid powder guy, and I don't always love that rapid powder guy. I really like what he's doing in this movie. It's and like I like the way he dances, and I like the way he you know he's moves. so energetic. It's the Coke, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but even in Ghostbusters, you know, it's really um, you know it's really Murray and and Harold Ramis's movie. He has some great moments, though. Just the way that cigarette dangles off his lip yes. is
0: still one of my favorite beats when he's going around the corner. Um, yeah, and it's funny that Aykroyd, I mean, Ackroyd... I like Aykroyd a lot. But it's like, I think he's easily one of the guys that has the more limited talent pool. Like, I think he's better
1: at being an idea guy. I, I don't I don't know about that, because his ideas are pretty out there. Like, well, no, but wait, his he, he's... His 400-page scripts. But, yeah, but... but
0: Great idea guy needs an editor, yeah. needs someone else to write with and to pare him down.
2: I mean, I'll go, I mean, we can talk about whatever goes on, but if the only thing these two ever did was this film, I think they would live in film history. Like, I genuinely think that this film just showcases their talents so extraordinarily well Absolutely. that these are definitive for both of them. Yeah, no question. Um, and that this is, for me, the
0: John Belushi film, and this, for me, is the Dan Aykwood film. For so well, well, you look at, like, um... Oh, God, his name is escaping me for some reason. John, um... The actor, he was Meryl Streep's boyfriend. He, he, he oh, he The Deer day, Hunter? Yeah, Dog the Afternoon, um, um, yeah. Godfather movies. John, John Savage? No, not John Savage. John, um... From Godfather 2, Fredo.
2: Oh, John Cazale.
0: Cazale, yeah, like... You could almost think of Belushi as the comic version of Gon- John Cazette, where it's like, John Cazette was only in, what, five or six features, but they were all amazing yeah, were films. films yeah. he's, a, he's a perfect perfect filmography, where Belushi could have, like, a close to that in the version of comedy, where he but didn't do a time, cup- He's got a
1: couple of stinkers, though, right? He's got Continental Divide wasn't very good. Sure, Neighbors, nobody likes. All right, so my theory, quickly. I just want to go back. I
2: didn't know Meryl Streep was stepping down because of. Oh yeah, <laughs> there
1: you go. That makes Deer very different. Yeah, they,
2: they were, uh, they team. were a long time couple, right? Yeah, yeah they were. Right. I I sadly don't play that game usually. So no, was he a,
0: was the star, and she was kind of like his yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and then she—they uh, were together when he died. So there's another thing that he apparently had a really good taste in roles <laughs> and really good.
2: It's like she's going to be an actor.
0: Well, that's—I mean—that's a big. Th- I, I always wonder, but whenever I see those movies, I look at him and I'm like, the career he would have had, you know?
1: Like, I um, mean, yeah, he was extraordinary, but also some guys, some actors just get really lucky. Yeah. Sure,
0: that's true. But, but I mean, he was, did a lot with
1: those roles, but he got handed roles in some of the most brilliant movies. Again, I just saw Pacino in of Gucci, so we can't we can't talk. About oh boy, Pacino! <laughs> Pacino's had a rough go the last. And yet, yeah, there,
0: the, there's actually, also that the long the, the, the fade away versus burnout. There's also that. Yeah. And then
2: he shows up in *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, and everything is forgiven, and he's so glorious. So again, it's yeah. like Bob Dylan live. I always say this. Bob Dylan is terrible 99 times out of 100 and then you go to that one time and it's the most glorious thing you've <laughs> ever seen in your life. And so you keep going. It's like, look, trying to chase that dragon. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll see how it would have been. But yeah. Um, uh, is this your kind of music? Like, is this something... Oh, I love this kind of music.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I grew up on this kind of music. My parents were all oldies people. So I didn't know there was new music <laughs> until, like, literally I was in high school and then it was... I had to learn all these other bands because all I knew was music from like the 50s and the 60s for most of my childhood. So So
1: I'm not really a music guy. I don't know much at all about music. For me, this movie uh, was always about the comedy and about, but I love the music. I'm a musical guy more than I'm, um, you know, a music guy. Sure. So I know mostly musicals. Um, yeah same but but, you know i this is a musical to me so the songs that are in this movie i kind of treat as if i'm watching little shop of horrors or if i'm watching you know um um sweet charity or you know like for me like that's that's musical music so i don't know you know all those musicians and like you said that that long history of like music that they've done I, I, I can't appreciate that because uh, I never really grew up listening to music. But.
2: I'm always a sucker. I've said, I mean, you know, when, when are we going to do all of Treme as one of these episodes? <laughs> the greatest television show in the
0: history of ever. I we're, we're, You don't want to talk to me about Treme because we, we have different opinions on Treme. Right.
2: So I believe Treme is the greatest thing ever done um, on the small screen. But the deal is it exemplifies, just like Bruce Brothers does, that you have a show that works or doesn't work on one level, but the more you dig into it, the more you're going to get out of it. Right. And I think, for, for me, is the greatest art, is that the deeper you go, superficially you see something, you're like, oh, this is just an archaeologist trying to rescue... Uh, this thing in an open arc, and then you realize the 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 history that right. that's being drawn from. Um, you know, it's just a bunch of uh, you know space people, swords, and stuff like that. And then you sort of delve into everything where it it, it draws upon. I've said this before; I'll say it again. Thank God when I saw Reservoir Dogs, I'd never seen a Ringo Lamb film, but absolutely Reservoir Dogs made me start watching Ringo Lamb. Right. So that I don't go into this with this sort of level of cynicism, like, oh, I can't believe you're ripping this off. It's like these films were made with love, mm-hmm. and I find it so tiresome now. That's what it is, is the, that the references forget that they're baked in and they're much more about IP references now. It's like you know that people are weird, have this freestyle, have this buzz where in, a, in Eternals they mention um, Superman and Alfred. Right, that oh, you can't do that. This is a Marvel movie, and those are DC. Like that actually played out. You felt felt that in the audience. Whereas this 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 is nothing to do with any of that. This is I'm going to show you something that we love, and you're if you know nothing about it in the background, it's going to be one thing. Yeah. But if you start using this as the basis, this is how you can actually dive deeper into. I
1: mean, that's the brilliance for me is that like as someone who doesn't really appreciate the music side, there's still a ton of stuff in this movie for yep. me. It, it's, it works for everyone. It's we, a great we, movie. If you
0: want a deep dive nerdy or not? It's a great movie. I enjoyed it. Blue I enjoyed birds. it. Now, I, uh, now you got to rewatch it. You do wait. need to rewatch it at oh, like for sure. an earlier hour. Yeah, I'm de- definitely going to rewatch it with, uh, with my kids. I think Ephraim would, would love Ephraim is a huge mu- music person, too, my son. So he would really love it for that side as well. But also, the, the car ch- chases would just blow his mind. He would sit there with his jaw down, just <laughs> shocked. Because he also he would also look at it, going, "This is all real. None of this is CGI. Those railroad cars, those railroad people. This is insane." <laughs> uh, well, if, uh, any final thoughts on Blues Brothers? Blues Brothers, yeah. Dig it. In,
2: dig into the music. Dig in. Dig into the performances that these people did. Uh, dig into the original versions of these songs and then the original versions of those and the live versions and all the stuff dig into the performances that the Blues Brothers did themselves and, and just embrace this film if, if you haven't seen it in a long long time give it a shot and don't see it as something as background sort of fun but something that actually it does silly seriously and it does serious in a silly way and that for me is
1: the apotheosis of all comedy and stay away from the sequel. <laughs> Far away. I will not bother. I'm just curious the story.
0: What's the story of the sequel? Stuff. It's dumb. Stuff it does not matter. Things
2: happen. Well, thanks for hosting. My pleasure. I'm very glad that you. I convinced you to see it as loud as possible. And if we had some sort of like synaptic break, I'm
0: totally not apologizing for that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's my. It's my cross to the bear. <laughs> there we go. Let's all go to the lobby. Thanks for joining us for Blues Brothers. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf Podcasts on ThatShelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before.